where we've uh, been studying over the, uh, the last couple weeks, uh, seven or six or eight weeks or whatnot, about the issue here and, and, and kind of really just taking off uh, out of a verse in, in Ephesians 3. So we're going to go back and read that and then uh, leave the text and, and talk about some things here. Ephesians 3, verse number 9, the Apostle Paul says, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now, under the principalities and powers, in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord, and we thank you for your words here. And as we begin to study and to look at the adversary and his wisdom plan, that we would do so in order for us to not be ignorant of his devices, but to rather be on guard and to understand why when we see the worlds around us do what it's doing, that it's doing it because of the course that he put it on. In your name we pray, amen. You know, see there in verse number 10, he says, to the intent that now, right now, unto the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. That's you and I. And we've looked at the, our influence. We educate the angelic host. We, we actually, literally, the angels are watching us. They're watching the sea. Paul says we're made a spectacle to the world, to the angels, to men. They're watching us to see how this grace, this, manif how the, this manifold wisdom of God works out. And, and <clears throat> the angels, they're, they're, they're no dummies. They understand things. But when a mystery, which is what Paul had, is then revealed, guess who didn't know it? <laughs> they didn't know it either, so they're learning it. And they're, they're, getting, and they're watching the church, the body of Christ, as we manifest, as we make known the manifold wisdom of God. Come back over with me to 2 Corinthians. I didn't do an overhead. Literally, yesterday I sat on, in a lazy boy chair <coughs> at different angles, at different times of the day, um, to just try to get some comfort and some rest. Uh, look, at, look over with me to first, uh, 2 Corinthians 2 and 1 Corinthians 2. Two passages. So I didn't sit with the computer uh, to make an overhead of the references, so just bear with me. We're going to go until I can't go anymore, and then we'll just pick up where we left off next week, okay? Um, we had a gentleman here that used to be with us. He's home with the Lord now, and he would say, Rick, you don't have to unload the bus on me every time. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I do. <laughs> and he's like, no, you don't. Uh, so he also told me one night we had a Q&A. He says, in as few words as possible. <laughs> And I said, there are no few words with me, <laughs> because it's a link, and you got to get the chain going, and you got to link them. And when you begin to link them together, then the things go, aha. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, the Apostle Paul, verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew. There's the satanic policy there's a satanic realm there's the angelic realm for had they known it they would not have crucified the lord of glory had satan understood the hidden wisdom of god he would not have carried out calvary he would have he would have stopped it because the hidden wisdom of god looks at calvary and says this is what calvary means 
The event has been talked about since Genesis 3. But what does it mean? It wasn't revealed. It was kept secret. It was, a, some, it was a, set, a group of information that he kept secret that then he says, I'm going to put it on display in the Gentiles. And I'm going to take the Apostle Paul. And, I'm going to, and, he, and, he, and he kept a whole program and plan secret. In Ephesians 3, he says that we might make known the manifold wisdom of God. You're there in 1 Corinthians 2. Look back to chapter 1. Notice, if you will, verse 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will put, bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made the foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the word by wisdom knew not. I'm sorry, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign; the Greeks seek after wisdom. What did he do with the wisdom of this world? He just destroyed it. He didn't do it with might and with power. He did it with a wisdom plan. He kept that wisdom plan secret. He then reveals it to the Apostle Paul, to the church, the body of Christ. Now we're living it. We're learning it. We're understanding it. We're coming to understand the dispensational Bible study, rightly dividing, putting, putting things where they properly belong. And the angels watch that. Now come over to 2 Corinthians 2. The angels are watching that. But also, so is Satan and the fallen creation. They're watching it. They're paying attention to it. They're putting one plus one together. They're learning it. I think the most shocked creature on the road to Damascus was not Saul of Tarsus. It was rather Satan. Because what did the Lord say to Saul on that road? Acts 20 over there, he says, Unto whom now I send you. We're going to do this now with you. We're going to leave Israel. We're going to go over here. Remember that? Boy, Satan goes, "Uh uh-oh, what did I do? What's going on here? What's the plan? So then they begin to watch. And Satan, by the way, if you watch Satan, you've got to know your adversary. He's our enemy. And you've got to know him. I mean, I know we get excited about learning doctrine and everything, but he's still sitting there. And he wants to shut you down. He wants to shut us down. And he wants to quiet you. You know, he knows he can't remove you from who you are in Christ. But he can shut you up. So he's got an attack plan. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, at the end of this wonderful passage where Paul is exhorting the Corinthians to forgive the guy who messed up back in 1 Corinthians 5, bring him back in. He says, verse 10, To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything to whom I forgive it, For your sakes, forgive it I in the person of Christ. Practice that doctrine of forgiveness, folks. You have to. Because if you don't, look at the next verse. What's going to happen? Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Satan will get an advantage of you if you don't live the doctrine. First, you've got to learn it, know it, and then you go live it. 
you know it, you learn it, you, 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 get the, you get the information down, and then you apply it to the details of life, and you go over here and you live it. And the issue of forgiveness is a biggest issue where Satan can then get a grip in there, and he can put you out of the game. He can sideline you. Again, he will never remove you from who you are in Christ. He will never remove you from that identity of the new man. But he will get you out of the game. And he uses forgiveness, and that issue of forgiveness is number one. But what I want you to see is we're not ignorant of his devices. <clears throat> when the Lord had the manifold wisdom, Ephesians 1, flip back over there real quick, Ephesians 1, <clears throat> this manifold wisdom, and again, this is kind of review because we had a week off, <laughs> get you back thinking where we're at, and we'll get some, we're going to go somewhere and then hopefully get there. Verse number 9, verse number 8. All the spiritual blessings start there in verse 3, verse 8, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Isn't that wonderful? All wisdom. All of it. All prudence. Prudence, wisdom is knowing stuff and, and, and how to do Prudence is putting all that wisdom in place. Prudence is having some insight to look beyond what's going on right in front of you. To look at the stuff in the background. You know, to see, to see beyond, I, I always think about you know, in a swimming pool and you got your goggles on and you kind of split the water line in your goggles and you can see up and down, you know, underneath. And I always think about it like that. Because when you're standing on top and you're looking down, you, everything's kind of murky, you know, not sure, but until you get in there, what do you, then you can see. That's prudence. Prudence is having some insight. Prudence comes with living life. Been around the block a few times, going through things. Tribulation worketh patience, patience, experience, experience, hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. And you go through that and the details there. Verse number 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Notice, the secret of the Father's will has been exposed. <coughs> it's, been, <clears throat> it's been revealed. It's been made known. There's no longer a secret will out there for your life. It's been made known. If you're in Christ this morning, the will of the Father for you is to go out there and be who you are in his Son, being his ambassador. That's the will. What, sorry, <clears throat> what is the will of God? He would have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What should you be doing? How about do that? <laughs> That's pretty easy. Right? We're making known the manifold wisdom. We're making all men see. We're making that known. God had a plan. The plan's verse 10, by the way, that out there in the end of it all, when it's all coming to a head, he's going to have the government of the universe back under his headship with the earth under the control of the nation of Israel, David sitting on the throne, the 12 apostles on the 12 thrones, Israel doing her thing and, and her job, and the Gentiles out there coming to his glory and, and his shining light and fulfilling all the prophetic scriptures about what that kingdom on the earth was going to be about. And then the body of Christ sitting in the heavenly places. Make Look over at chapter 2. <clears throat> Ephesians 2. 
Verse 7, that in the ages to come, notice that ages is plural. Ages. One age gets done, we go to the next one. So what are we going to be doing? Everybody, what are we doing in heaven? Well, this is what we're going to be doing forever. No stopping to it. Ages to come might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. We're going to be putting on display his grace. And we're going to be doing it forever. Ages. One right after the next, right after the next, right after the next. No end to it. So you see, the, that's the plan we're putting on display. How he could take a bunch of dogs. You know your dogs, right? That little old lady go over there says, Lord, let the dogs eat the crumbs. She knew who she was. You're a dog. I know, it doesn't sound good. There's a joke in that, but it's okay. You see, the, <clears throat> but, but who are you when you came to Calvary? You came as an enemy, you came ungodly, you came weak, trusted in Calvary, and you became what? The saint of the Most High God. You moved to a position of ambassador. You moved to a, to a saint, holy, acceptable. And he says, I got a job for you out there in the future. Right now, you got to learn about it. Think about, come back to Isaiah 14. Think about the moment the rapture happens. If, we, if the Lord tarries and we're standing here and he whistles us home, calls us home, how, how fast are we moving? In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, right? That doesn't give you any time to say, hang on a minute, I need a verse and a chapter in a book, please. You're there. You got to get this in you now. Your inner man will know what's going on because you got the Spirit, the Holy Spirit working in there. He'll snatch you. But you need to know what's going on. That's why we're looking at this. Isaiah 14. Not only does the Lord have a plan, a wisdom plan, but so does Satan, the adversary. Isaiah 14. Satan is a. <coughs> Isaiah 14 is a wonderful passage. It is a prophecy about Israel, about the little flock. As they look at the Antichrist and they look at Satan as they're cast off into the lake of fire. And so this is a prophetic viewpoint to the future. But in Isaiah, it's, it's actually like they're, he's looking back at it. But they're looking back, verse 12, at what Satan originally said in his original fall. So what does he say? How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? By the way, they are mocking him as he goes down. So you get your best sarcastic voice and mocking voice out. That's what they're doing to him as he's casting and, and judging uh, uh, Lucifer here. Son of the morning, how art thou cut down from the ground to the ground, which did weakenest the nation? And we talked about that issue of how he weakens the nation. And we went back and we used Israel as an illustration of how he weakens you and I. You remember? What does he look for? A crack in the wall, doesn't he? And he comes up and he pounds on that wall in Israel. And there's a pounding, and there's a pounding, and there's a pounding until he finds a crack. And then when he finds a crack, who will stand in the gap? Uh, Moses is going to stand in the gap there in Israel's history. Who's and there's a pounding, and there's a pounding. He's going to weaken the nations. He's been pounding on them. How, what does he do to you and I? Same thing. Pounds on you. Causes you to say, well, you know what? Maybe that verse just doesn't mean what that verse says. 
I don't like that right division because it doesn't give me, me the promises that God made to Israel of prosperity and health. Where was God's hedge of protection the other night when I hit that car? That car pulled in front of me and I hit it with my motorcycle. It wasn't there. <laughs> what protected my noodle was the helmet and the fact I wasn't going very fast. See? See, folks, real, well, he's, not, he's just causing you to have some bad thinking. Son of the morning. <laughs> it's interesting. Verse 13. For thou hast said, notice the past tense in it, in heaven. For thou hast said in thine heart. This is what Lucifer believed in his heart, down deep inside. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. There's his plan. Clearly, to usurp God's plan, God's position, God's program, God's position as the, 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 the most high. You go over to Genesis 14, and that, that term, the most high, is defined for you as possessor of heaven and earth. Satan's plan was to be the possessor of heaven and earth, to dethrone God. Satan knew he couldn't beat him in power. Because God spoke Satan into creation. Lucifer, <laughs> you go over to Ezekiel 28. We'll get there in a minute. So he had to have what? A plan. Let's have a wisdom plan. Now, Satan's plan has a name to it. Come over to Revelation 17. And if we can just get this, some of this this morning, you'll see this. And we'll, finish, we'll work this out here. I'm headed somewhere with this, folks. I told you when we started a couple weeks ago, several weeks ago, you need to understand, we don't need, we need to understand what Satan's doing, okay? We're not, we need to, we don't need to be ignorant of his devices. And when you have an enemy and you understand where they're coming from, then, that, then when the little things pop up, you can see them and you can go, wow, okay. And I'm going to be honest with you. What we're going to talk about the rest of this morning and next week is where he comes at it, and, it's at, and, it's, and it ends up being about your Bible. It really does, okay? Revelation 17, Satan's plan has a title, has a name. Satan understands what God was going to do in the universe, okay? What he didn't understand was you and I. He understood that what he was going to do with Israel and the earth, he got that. But he didn't understand what he was going to do with the heavens through the cross work. He didn't get that. Now he does. So now he's got a tactic against you and I. Look at verse 5, 17.5. And upon her forehead, and this is the beast, the great whore that sitteth upon many waters up back up top there, was a name written, <clears throat> mystery. Notice there's a comma there. Babylon the Great, comma, the mother of harlots and abomination of the earth. Mystery is her name. Satan developed a plan and he put the word mystery on it. Isn't that interesting? What do we preach? The mystery. How'd that happen? Hmm. 
Yeah, a little counterfeiting going on, isn't it? Isn't that interesting? Mystery. It, it distinguishes the, the, the issue there of Babylon. Let's you know that it goes all the way back to Genesis 11 with the Tower of Babel and Nimrod and the boy. We've been back there. Saw the nations, Genesis 10 and 11. It brings it all. The world is under his control. That's what that Babylon's talking about. The mother of harlots. Mother. What does a mom have? Offspring. Mother of harlots. The harlots. Let's see, we're talking about religion. <laughs> okay? We're talking about the vain religious system out there. Everybody gets all upset about the, about the Muslims and Islam and all that. They're taking over the world. But you know what? They will bow the knee to this guy. Well, it's the Roman Catholics. No, they'll bow the knee to this guy. She's the mother. She's the source of all of that mess. Goes all the way back to Nimrod. Comes down through history to, to Nebuchadnezzar. All the way down into modern today. Come back with me to Ezekiel 28. Folks, you've got to understand where this is coming from. When you look around our society today, Ezekiel 28, and you begin to say, hey, what's going on? Why is it going to? It's because there's a course of this world at work. And just because God changed the way he dealing, deals with man, what Satan did was change the way he attacked man and where he's going. Now look at Ezekiel 28. <clears throat> Here is the original fall. So Satan has a plan. It's called mystery. Babylon the Great. Okay? And it's, and it's a plan that's going to promote the creature who was Satan. He's the creature above the creator. Romans 1.25. Okay? Now watch it happen here in, verse, in, in Ezekiel 28. <clears throat> you, ha you see him there starting in verse 17. Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom. I'm, I'm sorry, verse 12. Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Who was in Eden? The Lord Jesus Christ was. Adam and Eve and Satan. That's how you know who he's talking to. Okay? Then he gives a description. Thou art the anointed, verse 14, the anointed cherub that covereth. You see, folks, he's a created angelic being. So he can't be everywhere. He's not omnipresent. Omni he doesn't. He's got to watch, learn, understand, just like, you, just like everybody else does. Now watch verse 15. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created, till iniquity was found in thee. He was perfect until something happened. That's Isaiah 14, 12 to 14. When in his heart, what did he say? I will be like the Most High. Okay? Where he began to develop the plan to take over the universe. He began to develop the scheme, the system, to come along and to say, you don't need God's plan, you need my plan. Verse 16. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. Thou hast sinned, therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, 
from the midst of the stones. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. 1 Timothy 3 says it was pride that got Satan. Pride got him. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before the kings <coughs> that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquities of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. Notice what's going to happen here. He was full of wisdom and beauty, wasn't it? He got it. Pride got him. And when pride got him, he developed a wisdom plan. And in verse 16, he, he says he's going to merchandise it. He's going to traffic it. He's going to take his wise plan and he begins to sell it. And he begins to go out there and he goes door to door like the Amway guys used to do. And he goes door to door and he begins to sell and to traffic his plan of serving the creature more than the creator. If you notice in verse 16, in the middle of that verse, he talks about they have filled the midst of thee with violence. Thou hast sinned. None of his plan is going to bring peace. Satan is crafty enough. He is wise enough to keep everything under control in his, in his universe. Because he sits on a... You ever, you ever do a pressure cooker and that little thing on the top bouncing? You know? That's Satan. That's the pressure cooker. Because in, in any moment it could go ba-boom. Because it's full of violence. Now, come on, you're in 28. Come back over to verse 3. Notice something here. Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. With thy wisdom and with thine understanding, thou hast gotten thee riches and gotten gold and silver into thy treasure, treasures. By thy great wisdom and by thy traffic, Hast thou increased thy riches, thine heart is lifted up because of thy riches. Isn't that interesting? His selling tactic. Go out there and traffic it, sell it. He has the ability to entice the angelic host, as well as humanity, that he's got a secret that they need. He had a plan to entice people to join him, to come all along and to say, hey, there is something going on in the background that you don't know about. Come over to Genesis chapter 3. Let me show you. And this, folks, I know we're in the Old Testament, but this is what he does to you and I today. Same tactic, just got a little different suit on. He comes along and he says, there's something going on over here we have us a conspiracy that you don't know about, that if you join me, I've got the key that will open the conspiracy and you'll see it. And you know what happens? 
You suck it in like it's the gospel, and you're sucked into it. And the next thing you do is you close your Bible, you quit studying, and now you're over here going after the conspiracy. <clears throat> and I'll tell you what, the big one today and amongst our groups is this stupid stuff about the flat earth. Now, if you follow it, I'll, I'm, I'm not being mean. But what that stuff does is it causes you to quit paying attention to who you are in Christ, being an ambassador, doing your job over here, looking at meddling in something that you, causes you then to question your Bible. That's the ultimate goal of it. It really is. And I know good people that are sucked up into it, but what did they They got sucked up into a conspiracy. Did you ever see this, Pastor Rick? Well, yeah, I have. Oh, you have? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, folks, Song of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says that there's nothing new under the sun. <laughs> okay? Genesis 3. Watch, watch him do it here. Just to illustrate this to you. Okay? You, you, you follow with Satan. This is a tactic. This is the thing about Satan that you and I got under. He's got a plan. It's called mystery. Babylon the Great. He's got a plan out there that floats in the mystery realm. Secret, secret. Hey, who's got a secret? And if you join me, I'll illuminate you and you can understand. Isn't that interesting? When you came to understand the word rightly divided, what did the word of God do to you? Become to you? Open, didn't it? A lie. Satan, Satan just got a little knockoff of that over here. Genesis 3, you have the fall of Adam and Eve. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Notice the serpent here. He is going to, he's subtle. He's merchandising his plan. The merchandising here. 40% off if you buy today. If you come back tomorrow, it'll be 50% off. You ever do that? We were in Costco the other day, <laughs> Linda and I getting stuff for the thing, and she came by with this bag of pretzels that's got peppermint on it for Christmas. They were good. Were, were being the, you know, but you know what they were? They're right on the end of the, of the row where you see them. Big sign. So we were in there yesterday or the day before. She came out with eight bags. I'm like, eight bags? She goes, gifts. I'm like, gifts? I'm like, okay. That's a gift for me, right? <laughs> One of me, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But what do they do? They're on the end, and they got, see me, see me. Look at me, look at me, look at me. He's merchandising. He looks at Eve, and you know what he says? Did God really say that? Yea, hath God said now watch him go after her. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. What does Eve do? Well, she, she messed up, didn't she? She left some things out. She left out freely, left out his grace, added touching, so added the law. She, she wasn't grounded, was she? 
She, 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 was, she, she isn't grounded in the, the truth of God's word. God told Adam, Adam told Eve, but there wasn't enough information. Adam didn't accurately, conveniently do his job. Adam's with her. We know that in a little bit here. He's standing there right now. He didn't step in and stop. He didn't, they didn't do so well, did they? Now watch verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. That's a lie. He just lied to her. But she can't handle it. She's not equipped enough. She's, she's not grounded enough to handle the lie. But watch what else he says. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Here's why verse 4 is a lie. God knows something that he doesn't want you to know, Eve. You know, Eve, God really doesn't want you to know the whole story. But if you join me, I give you the whole story. Knowing, he que the questioning of God. There are Satan. I know something that God doesn't want you to know, and you can't know it unless you join me. Unless you come over here and be in my group. Unless you come over and say, and join our Illuminati. There you go. It's interesting. By the way, there are 46 words that Satan says to Eve from verse 1 to 5. 46 is the DNA chromosomes of, of a human. 23 from mom, 23 from dad. He's going after humanity. Why would he go after humanity? Because what's coming in verse 15, the seed of the woman's going to destroy the seed of Satan, isn't it? <laughs> so let's go corrupt the seed. That's why later when you read about Noah, the, the sons of God, the angels have come down and messed with the daughters of men. What are they messing with? The seed line, the genetics. That's why when, at, if you look over there, in chapter 6, Noah will do this next time. Verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man, a perfect, and perfect in his generations. That word generation, everybody runs to time and people, but you see the word genetic in there. See, Noah's genetics had not been polluted by the sons of God that have left their first estate and visited the daughters of men. See, there's some DNA stuff going on here. Satan doesn't know anything about that. You and we'll, we will when we get there in a couple weeks. There's a, a, there's a book of DNA David talks about in Psalms that has every marker about you already pre-written. Everything. But there's a DNA about that new creature, that new man, that Satan has no clue about. He's got a clue about this. Come on over to Isaiah. I, I freaked you out, didn't I? <laughs> Isaiah 33. <clears throat> Just a teaser to get you to come back. <laughs> you see, folks, Satan knows. 
He looks at Eve. By the way, that Illuminati stuff, illumination, the third eye, being able to look in behind, do all that stuff, all that comes right off of, uh, comes right out of your scriptures, by the way. But it's Satan. I know something that you don't know that God doesn't want you to know. Join me and I will illuminate you and then you will know all. Isaiah 33, <clears throat> verse 5. The Lord is exalted, for he dwelleth on high. He hath filled Zion with judgment and righteousness and wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. And strength of salvation, the fear of the Lord, is his treasure. Isn't that interesting? What, would be, what is to be the stability? Now, this is a passage about Israel prophetically in the last days. What is going to be their stability in verse 6? Wisdom and what? Knowledge. Folks, you and I, we need to take that, heart, that verse to heart. You want your salvation and who you are in Christ Jesus to be what's in your life. You know what you need? You need to have some wisdom and knowledge that is going to come out of the Word of God rightly divided about who He's made you, how He's working through His Word, it fills your life, it fills your heart. You get that wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, and you begin to do that, and what begins to happen then is now you have stability to stand. Why did Satan pick on Eve? Peter says she was the weaker vessel. He went after the, the, he went after the break in the wall, the breach. Adam's standing there. He, didn't, he wasn't man enough to step up and say, hold on, time out. Lord, where are you? We need you. That's all he had to say. The Lord's word was, no, we can freely eat of everything but this. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> it hurts when I get into it, huh? But he didn't do that. See, folks, knowledge is key. Knowledge is the basic block of information that you need to be able to have and to work from. Come on over to Romans 6. Come over to Romans 6. You see, Eve didn't have it straight. So Satan laid out a, a, a secret. And he laid it out so, so subtly to her that she couldn't say no to it. And Adam couldn't say no. They didn't have basic knowledge, basic information. Look at Romans 6. Look at verse 3. <coughs> know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his, what, death. No. See that word, no? Verse 9. Verse 6. Knowing this. Verse 9. Knowing that Christ. Verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves. 
Verse 13, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. We're to know, we're to reckon, we're to know, we're to reckon, we're to yield. You've got to have some knowledge. You've got to understand where the stability in your life is going to come from. It's going to come from the Word of God, rightly divided, working in you. As the Holy Spirit grabs that Word and begins to work in your life, and as you t- come to life and you take it from the page, from the thoughts, and from the, 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 the mental gymnastics that we do with it, and we put it over here into practice. And as we do that, then what happens then is when Satan comes up, You know what he does? He comes up and he lays out some little something that feels good, sounds good, smells good, tastes good. And we can say, no. Come over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. As I was sitting the other night in the middle of the intersection of Greenfield and University, (coughs) waiting, the lady was sitting there. (coughs) She made a statement, and I didn't correct her because it wasn't the moment to do that, about, oh, God's hand was on you and, you know, and all that. And, but it got me thinking about it. <laughs> what was happening in that situation was common to man. Just earlier the day, there was a motorcycle accident in North Mesa, and the motorcyclist was killed. I had heard about it on the news and was paying attention to it and it was prior to the rain and everything. Well, that could have easily been me. It's common to man. But <clears throat> I hurt. Don't get, I feel like I died. <laughs> you know. But the thing is, is when you think, when you have the proper understanding, I didn't have a guardian angel floating me over. I had 15 years of riding and being instructed and <laughs> trying to be careful and not have that ever happen, you know. I was hoping to retire my riding boots with the being able to say I never had an accident, but I know of no rider that ever is able to say that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 now. <clears throat> Notice Paul here. <clears throat> Verse 12. Satan comes up. He used subtle, subtleness. He just lay... Boy, it would be wonderful for me to be able to stand up here today. It would sound wonderful, I should say it like that. If I was able to say, yes, the hand of God held me and moved me through and nothing happened. Well, if that was the case, I wouldn't have bruised ribs and I wouldn't be bruised. It would be wonderful. It would be sweet. It would be poetic to be able to stand. But that's not the case. Israel could say that. But we don't say that today. How do you get there? You got some truth. You got some wisdom, knowledge in you. You got the ability to sit here and go, hey, this is really what's going on. Paul says it like this, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 12. Seeing, seeing then that we have such hope, we use great, what? Plainness of speech. Is it easy to understand plainness of speech? Not all the hoodly doodly stuff over here. Paul says, I'm going to put it right across, waist high, where you can hit it out of the park 
every time. Come over to chapter 11, 2 Corinthians. You see, Satan comes in, and he's going to use chapter 11, verse 3. He's not going to use plainness of speech. He's going to use, well, God works in mysterious ways, and he's going to do this, and you need to read the road signs, and you need to do this, and, and you go, what? Paul comes along and says, no. This is where we're at, 11.3. For I fear lest by any means, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility. How did he do it? Yea, hath God said. He's attacking the man by attacking the word of God. Yea, hath God said. So your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. Isn't that interesting? Paul's prayer for the Corinthians, his prayer for you and I, for the body, is that we wouldn't have our minds corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. How does that happen? How does that come along and, and begin to dig on you and begin to pound on you? How does that happen? How do, what does he come up and do? Well, come over to Deut- come back to Deuteronomy 13. <clears throat> you guys with me okay? All right. Deuteronomy 13. I, let's, I just want to illustrate this out of Israel because it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> Deuteronomy 13, verse number 1. <clears throat> you see, folks, Paul says, you got to be on guard. you got to be careful. Here's how Satan works. His plan's got a title. It's called mystery. And he's going to try to use the secret stuff to get you. By the way, the revealed things belong to who? The revealed things belong to man. The secret things belong to God. Remember that, right? <laughs> Deuteronomy 13. <clears throat> now I'm thinking about that goofy verse. Okay, the verse I just quoted is Deuteronomy 29, 29. <laughs> okay, so flip over there just real quick. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord, our God, And those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of the law. What's what's God saying to Moses? Everything I've given you guys is yours. Don't worry about the stuff I haven't given you. Right? Because what's Satan saying? There's some things over here God doesn't want you to know. He hasn't given. He hasn't revealed. If you follow me, I'll get you. I'll get you to know. Paul says, same thing for you and I. Paul says, man, I'd let everything know. Deuteronomy 13, 13, quickly. Verse 1. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass wherever he spake unto thee, saying, let us go after other gods which thou hast not known, and let us serve them, thou shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet, 
or of the dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and ye shall serve him and, and <clears throat> cleave unto him, and that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. What's going on there? <clears throat> this guy shows up, does a miracle, and instead of attributing it to the God... He attributes it to other gods. But basically, what is he saying? Let's not trust the word of God. Let's trust these guys. Because a miracle, in Israel's case, was always backed up by the word of God. The miracle always demonstrated the word of God. This guy does a miracle, and it comes true. It really happened. But he says, no, it's not that. It's this over here. What are they going to go do to that guy? Verse 5. They're going to kill him. You see that? Folks, what does Satan say? Look at verse 6. If thy brother, the son of thy mother, or thy son, or thy daughter, or thy wife, or thy bosom, or thy friend, which is as thine own soul, entice thee secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which thou hast not known, thou nor thy fathers, Verse 8, thou shalt not consent unto him, nor hearken unto him. What are they saying secretly? Hey, let's go over here and follow these guys. Moses tells Israel, say no. But how are they getting them? They're getting them by what? By using scripture. Scriptural, but not dispensational in our case today. Come back over with me to, well, I think you get the point. <laughs> Come back over to Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> you know what? <clears throat> Let's go over to 2 Corinthians 10. We'll close here. You see, folks, Satan the mother of all harlots, the mother of, of all mysteries. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 10. <clears throat> the mother of all mysteries. He, he's got a plan. His plan is to slide something up on the table that looks right, it looks, has the appearance of the real deal. But it's not, and it's dangerous. And just as Moses told Israel to say no, Paul tells you and I the same thing. He tells us to just what Isaiah 33 verse 6 said, to have wisdom and knowledge. Paul tells us the same thing. Now watch 2 Corinthians 10 and watch verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. That's a great verse to help you understand that you live in the flesh. But our war's not with what? Our flesh. First of all, Romans 6 has been dealt with, but it's also it's going to be changed and corrected. Now watch verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, 
and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. <clears throat> Isn't that interesting? Casting down to the pulling down of strongholds. In your thinking, Satan can get a stronghold in your thinking. And it will cause you to not do what you've been equipped to do. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. He's talking about organized religion. He's talking about Baal worship in Scripture. He's talking about the stuff we've been looking at, what is, Satan's secret plan. We've been equipped to deal with this. Strongholds, imaginations. Get rid of all that stuff. Cast it down. Get rid of it. Now watch the rest of this verse. <clears throat> Cast it out. Anything that goes against the book, rightly divided, get rid of it. Yeah, but Rick, they're my friends. Little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. You got to get rid of it. You got to remove it. You have to. Or he'll get you. He'll get a stronghold. And, watch the rest of this verse. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, usually we talk about bringing your thinking into, under his control, but that's not what that verse says. You have to notice that verse very carefully. First of all, what are we going to do? We're going to get rid of, we're going to throw out, we're going to get, get off everything that goes against the book. We're going to cast it away. But then we're going to bring our thinking to the obedience of Christ. We're going to bring our thought process to his obedience. What was his thinking on the cross? Was he thinking about himself or other people? Others. He humbled himself, became obedient unto death. Even in, Notice, captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. You see, folks, when you think about how you think about things and you go put it underneath his cross, think like he would think, esteem others like he esteemed others, joy, Jesus, others, you. When you go in there and you do Philippians 2 and he talks about esteeming others and better than yourself and having the mind of Christ, when you begin to do that, you know, what you, you know who loses a stronghold in your thing? Satan does. Human viewpoint, we would call it. Paul says, let's do this. Let's have some stability of wisdom and knowledge. Isaiah 33, 6. Let's do that. Let's have some stability in our life. Let's understand how, how Satan going to come up to you. I know something that you don't know that God doesn't want you to know. And if you join me, I'll let you in on it. In our age, again, today, you got different things out there, like the flatter stuff. Folks, I've watched their videos. That stuff looks interesting. It looks very good. It's very enticing. It's just wrong. Because what does it cause you to do? Question the Word of God. What does Satan want you to do? 
question the Word of God. Because where's our foundation? The Word of God, rightly divided. Okay? You follow that? I, I, I hope I'm not wasting your time. Okay? Because Satan, that's what he's after. Now, there's some things about the Word of God that Satan is do, that's being done today that is going to cause you to go, ho, ho, wait a minute. What's up? And that is that there is a Bible out there that sits, and it carries the, the name, the New King James Bible. And you know what it is? It is not the Bible to have. We're going to talk about it in a couple weeks. I'll show you. There's some other things we're going to clean up here in this. But what, if you're a King James Bible believer, and all of a sudden somebody showed up with a new one, wouldn't that not entice you to go, oh, it's a new one. Let me look at it. It's got the same name. In their introduction to the Bible back in the 80s when it came out, which it came out in the 80s, by the way, it says we're just, we're, we follow the, 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 the majority text and we do this and this and this, and it's a lie right out of the pit of hell. You can prove it in their own text. But what is it? It's subtle. It's sneaky. It's, I got something new that you need to know that God doesn't really want you to know, but I got it, so just join me. Follow that. You get in trouble. Okay? All right, well, I'm out of gas, and it's time to go. Okay? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word, and above all, Lord, we thank you for everything that we have in your Son. We thank you for the folks here, for their willingness to come and to sit and to teach and to learn, to be taught and to learn, for their faithfulness, for the faithfulness of everyone for the last 20 years as we stood here and taught and did the work of the ministry. We just do it all for your honor and for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to stand. We'll be dismissed.